Welcome to the New Mana Podcast, an Arch KCK production. Welcome back to New Mana, your newest favorite Catholic podcast on the Holy Eucharist. This is your host, Lee McMahon, and I serve as consultant for evangelization at the Archdiocese of Kansas City in Kansas. But don't be fooled. If you've got a pulse, this podcast is for you. Yes, Jesus has more for you. He is alive, and he is about a good work. He is the source and summit of our amazing faith. So today, this is a pretty cool episode. I'm joined around the table by some friends, uh, Nick Johnson, Kyle Cuckleman, just legends in the Kansas City area, but I'm rather than me butcher introducing them, I'm going to allow them to introduce themselves. Um, but before they do that, I just want to say thanks to everybody out there who has left a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify for helping us get the word out that Jesus is alive, he's about a good work, and that he is truly present, body, blood, soul, and divinity in the Holy Eucharist. You guys are actually helping us when you leave a review, when you leave a rating, that you're actually helping us show up higher when people are searching for things pertaining to faith. So thank you for anybody who out, out there who has done that. And for all those who are feeling that little like burning thing in your heart right now, yeah, that's that's called a, a prompting of the Holy Spirit. You should do it too, just not while you're driving. So, um, Kyle, you don't have a mouthful of water. Who's Kyle Kalkman? Yep, my name is Kyle. I work for a web design agency called Programmatis. Prior to that, I was working in mission, as uh, doing missionary uh, missionary work, doing work in ministry. <laughs> it's been a minute since I've done ministry work. Uh, I did that for. 14 or 15 years at different parishes in the Kansas City area. So I worked at Sacred Heart Shawnee, uh, Prince of Peace in Olathe, and then St. Lawrence Catholic Center doing college ministry. So I've done that for a long time. So I really love the topic of today's conversation, and I think it'll be very fun. Yeah, thanks for being here, Kyle. Yeah, thanks for inviting. Nick Johnson, who's Nick? Uh, I'm a father and a son uh, and a husband. And then I also work, uh, I mean, one of the youth ministers at St. Michael the Archangel in Leewood. And I'm also the Life Teen area contact for the state of Kansas. Nice. So Life Teen is an international movement of youth ministry, and they have area contacts across the country to just be able to be a resource for other youth ministers and for parishes um, to help in any way to yeah. advance the kingdom. I heard the other day, Nick, that you had like 280 teens at a Sunday night gathering. Is that right? No. <laughs> that would be fantastic. Be I was crazy. like, oh my goodness, like regularly? Like this is We exploded. we took a big group to our Steubenville trip, mm. um, which was close to that. Nice. Or it wasn't close. No, it was not. We were just over 200. Nice. That's um, still that. fairly close. Like reasonably close. That's, that's a, a big number. That's still really It's big a big number, number. <laughs> yeah. But like for a night, I think our biggest night we've ever had is 160. Cool. At a night. Not that you're counting. I we full sure yeah, <laughs> nice. not like to count to count yeah, but yeah. to know right. who's there and who's yeah yeah it's who's it's important reach. to keep in mind like the the amount of impact like that you have and it's not just about the numbers like you were saying but uh, we have to be able to gauge our progress and like yeah, how many times how, is the gospel reference yeah, numbers like, exactly well not just that but legally it's good to know who's yeah. in the room right like right keeping track of yeah yeah. Some yeah there's uh some cover your butt yeah yeah yeah, yeah, of, yeah. Hey, i need to i need your contact information i need at least one parents exactly i know this is not right. topic yeah the topic ahead. for today but i'm gonna ask a question come on do you think that sometimes counting the numbers get in the way of pursuing deeper relationships so like the goal of 200 let's say sure. the goal of a 200 weekly can get in the way of a deeper formation of those who are currently in the room hmm. again not the sure. topic for today sure. so we can just say moving on right I, I think for me like 
because I was in youth ministry for seven years. Um, it, it was never a matter of like, I want to get this many teens, you know, in the room kind of deal. But like, I, I want to measure the amount of seeds that we're throwing. Yeah, yeah. How effectively are we uh, spreading the good word about Jesus in a way that's captivating and engaging in a way that actually they can understand and mm-hmm. relate to? That's what I care about. And once you have a, a method of like keeping track of said numbers, then it really come it kind of just becomes a, a cool like after yeah yeah yeah, yeah afterthought yeah. after factor kind of deal. Yeah. Like I remember the first time that we had over a hundred teens at our middle school gatherings that uh, we were facilitating at Church of the Ascension, and it was it was like wait, so that actually yeah that felt like there was three thousand you know <laughs> cats running around, but there were you know there was actually like a hundred and ten middle schoolers there who wanted to be there because they wanted to, not yeah. because. They had to be because it was, part of, it was a part of some formation program, but they wanted to be there and they were there because they wanted, I don't know. Like that was cool. That was a yeah. cool moment, you know, to celebrate. Yeah. I think the the important factor there is it's, you're not doing it for the numbers sake, but the numbers tell a story. Yeah. yeah. And um, there's also the, okay, from that story of there's so many at this night and our Sunday nights or life nights are meant to be entry points and yeah. Then do you go? Where do you go from there? And that's where the numbers then get tracked, right. really. Of, right. Yeah. Okay, yeah. 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 Sunday that conversion rate. In this, so like, okay, yeah. and then we're going to this step and then that step to yeah. form intentional disciples. That's where you, the measuring goes. If yeah. you're just yeah. measuring that top end, yeah, and there's nothing there at the end, then you're event based and you're throwing a party, yeah, yeah, rather than like doing ministry. Yep. Well, and like, I don't think. I think sometimes numbers, man, we need to. It's okay. <laughs> okay. Just thinking about Jesus, like Jesus, he the, talks about numbers a lot. Although, yeah. yeah, like you read Acts of the Apostles, that's like a thing. Every time somebody preaches, they talk about. 3,000 were added to the body of Christ, yes. to, you know, today. Like, that's yep. cool. That's How do they super, know that? Yeah. Because somebody you know, Matthew was Matthew. there. Yeah. Matthew, Matthew was <laughs> like, that's at least 3,000. Okay, we're going to write that <laughs> yeah. down. Luke, you know, that was later on, but you know yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. Okay. For sure, right. Matthew. To the topic. <laughs> to the topic. Um, I want to know, what's your story of falling in love with Christ? Um, I'll start. Um, so I grew up in a great Catholic home. Uh, my dad actually converted after my parents were married. And I think even after my brother was born. And we were six years apart. So it was right around there. It wasn't like immediately after my parents got married that my dad joined the church. But um, grew up, my home parish was Prince Peace in Olathe. And, um, there was always a desire, um, in my family to, um, for us to attend Catholic school and, um, it never really kind of worked out at Prince Peace. We had a big class and just never kind of got in, um, to the point that like my mom was, uh, always my SOR, CCD instructor, my formation, um, leader. And so like, I knew that the faith was important. I knew, um, that it had a space and a reverence, uh, for that. Um, but it was also almost like too familiar that, um, who was forming me at home and who was forming me in my formation was kind of the same voice. And even my mom wasn't like the primary, but she would always have like another one who was one of my best friends' moms. So Mm -hmm. it was just kind of like, Oh, I I know these voices. They're familiar. That's a great way to put it. Right. Um, And so it wasn't really until, um, like my faith really got challenged or even put into perspective, um, and like bigger questions started to kind of run around was when I was in eighth grade, I was in a car accident, um, and broke my femur, had a concussion, was life flighted, um, to children's mercy here in Kansas city. 
where they um, confirmed that I had a broken femur. And then they also did a CT scan because I had a concussion. Um, it was in that CT scan on the way back that uh, they announced a nurse kind of crossed the line that like nurses shouldn't do of, of bringing up information without like proper context and proper people around to like process. Mm -hmm. And they just asked, um, cause I was in the car accident with my uncle. My parents at this time were back at the hospital from the CT scan, uh, back to the ER. So they were with me and they asked, so how, how long has Nick had this tumor in his head? And my mom who was at the head of the bed just like stops and just like a nurse has to catch her. She didn't pass out. She was just like yeah. kind of in shock sure. and just like stopped. She was like, wait, what? Yeah. Um, and somebody just had to like, okay, we're, we're going to move on. Um, had surgery to take care of the leg, but obviously like a broken femur was minor in context of that sure. news. And then we spent really the next six months in Kansas City going to different doctors trying to figure out what we yeah. could do, what, what was going on. And um, we kind of felt like we were just kind of being passed to anybody that had a pulse yeah <laughs> anybody that would maybe because bone doctors were like hey this is too close to the brain and neurosurgeons are like well technically that's not in the neural cavity like mm. space mm. so it's not in our purview um and finally my mom was just fed up of getting passed along and went back to the doctor at children's mercy and was like hey like let's let's make the circle a little bit bigger here um and, mm. in fact like wherever we have to go we'll go wherever and uh, ended up finding a doctor in at the University of Iowa, which my parents are both from Iowa, family's still in Iowa. Nice. And so that made it really, really easy <clears throat> um, to say yes. Did a biopsy um, that spring break. So the car accident was in September, that next spring break, mm -hmm. um, had a biopsy done and that was supposed to be outpatient, but it ended up being a little bit longer because um, they had a spinal fluid leak immediately. Mm -hmm. And then um, after, that um, had a big surgery and it was um, really before that big surgery that you start like, so this is my now basically between my eighth grade year and freshman year mm. um, into high school. And so there's a lot of transition and figuring things out um, on top of all of this as yeah. well. But um, it was really there that like the reality of the sacramental life um, was kind of put into my face. Mm. Um, and it's wild to think back. Um, and now that I'm like doing ministry and I'm doing confirmation prep, I couldn't tell you anything specific about my confirmation, about my prep or anything like that. But um, then receiving um, like the anointing of the sick, mm. that's something that like was a marked difference of, okay, this is really, really important. This is really real. Yeah. Because um, <clears throat> this is a big deal. And I remember having conversations before that big surgery with my parents about what my desires were for my funeral because we didn't know the outcome and we didn't want to like have those yeah, conversations. That's wild. that's wild for sure. Um, <clears throat> and so went into that surgery with just kind of, we'll see what's going to happen because we didn't know if there was cancer, if there was, yeah. we didn't really even going into that big surgery, have a lot of answers, but went into that surgery had, had that, it was like an eight and a half hour surgery came out and the doctor came to my parents and was like, Hey, I don't know where you guys stand with God, with your beliefs, with your faith. But there's someone that's looking out for your mm. son um, because based on the condition that uh, my bone was, the doctor gave me three to six months and um, I was going to have a massive stroke. Mm. And the, the odds, the, the possibility of surviving that stroke were basically zero. Sure. And he said, it's more likely that somebody's going to have a car accident, have a concussion, 
find me as a doctor and us have this surgery like 10 times over mm. than for you to survive that stroke. So it's just like, yeah, that's, oh, that's crazy. not wow. going to happen. Um, which then puts into perspective through high school of like what matters and what doesn't. Yeah. Um, but went on, uh, through high school with kind of that lens of like, Hey, this is all bonus time. This is great. God loves me. Like he has a purpose for my life. Um, and then went into college mm. and was like, Hey, I want to like, because of that and because of the gifts that I've recognized that he's given me, like I love designing, I love creating and went to, um, to K state to study, um, landscape architecture. Um, but when th- like my plan didn't kind of line up with like reality, sure. um, I struggled a lot and I, um, ended up like in really bad place with depression and anxiety and, um, things were just kind of falling apart. Uh, came home and remember going to mass and I was like, oh, okay, like this is comfortable. It's home. Um, this is a safe place yeah. for sure. Um, and then got introduced to youth ministry, um, in that time at home and was like, where was this when I was in high school? Because yeah, how I was processing life, how I was like looking at life would have been I think, drastically different. Mm-hmm. Um, if the youth ministry, was kind of in that same vein. Um, and, uh, because of that, because of being exposed to youth ministry and being a part of youth ministry, I ended up going on a trip, um, to Steubenville, which is a conference all, all across the country. We went to mid America, which is down in Springfield, the university or at Missouri state. And um, Kyle was a youth minister at that time. Go Grizzlies. Is that, that's right. Right. The Bearcats. The bears. Bears. No, Bearcats. Just the bears. The bears. I think they're the bears. Yeah. Cool. The bears sounds great. Yeah. Um, but, uh, it was in adoration and it was like, it was the moment that my life was like, Jesus totally pivoted my life and like unlocked so many things. Um, and so during adoration, they process, uh, Jesus and the monstrance through the entire arena. And I can take you to the exact seat that I was sitting in. I can take you to the exact spot that Jesus was at that moment. Um, and I was just like there in freedom and in Thanksgiving and, yeah. and just, um, receiving. And he, this voice was just so crystal clear of like, Nick, like, I don't need you to save the world. Cause that's kind of the lens that I was going through, like yeah. through design. I wanted to create these spaces and create, um, these great things, uh, to help save the world. Right. <sighs> and he was like, I don't need you to save the world, Nick. I've already done that. Just tell the world about me. Mm. And it was this immediate release and freedom yeah. of all of these lies and these chains that I'd been living with for so long. Um, that was just incredible. And like life was put on a complete 180. Yeah. And, um, those and, moments it's like the Lord puts your life on a lazy Susan mm. and you just kind of like spins it. Yeah. And you're like, Oh, Oh, yeah. Oh. Yeah. And it's great because there's so many times when like you, you start to look back at those things and there's moments that, he kind of grabs your attention. You look over your shoulder mm-hmm. and he's like, okay, all right, all right, let me move. Like, and I'll physically reorient you and say like, I'm right here. Yeah. Um, so yeah, my life was drastically transformed and lived in so much more freedom. Come on. It didn't like change everything overnight, but it was just like, Oh, I don't have to be the end all be all of everything because he's already done that. Like just live how, he wants me to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had a great community to kind of unpack that with and, and kind of walk with, um, and kind of reprioritize what was important in my life. Yeah. I mean, just like a good dad, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about, we, we've all got littles, right? So yep. 
when your when your kid just doesn't get it and they're they just need to be like, hey, look, it's over there. It's hilarious. I was three feet away from something like on a ladder, like telling my daughter, like, grab that box, that box, <laughs> that box right there, right, right there. And there's only like, there's like two boxes, right? I'm pointing at that box. And just, yeah, it took me having to get down and like show it, like actually take her to that one yeah. box for something. And, and the Lord's is, is the same way. He's kind, he's gentle about it. And he'll much gentler than we are. Wait, yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Amen. Sorry to cut you off. No. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like that completely changed kind of the direction of my life, yeah. uh, was going and, um, ended up continuing doing, um, design, build landscape work and did that professionally. Um, still serving on core team and, and walking with teenagers and kind of unpacking yeah. what the Lord was doing in my heart while they were trying to figure out who they were and what's going on. And, right. Um, which is beautiful. The graces that the Lord gives us to be able to do that. Like we don't have to be in a perfect place to do ministry. We yeah. don't have to be in like, have our life figured out for yeah. us to be witnesses and, and to walk with others. And, Amen. um, yeah, like it was, it's been, it's been an awesome ride. Um, there's then kind of two years later that the Lord again in adoration, um, just kept inviting me deeper and, um, it was at, um, Cove Crest. It's a camp in Northeast Georgia. It's a life team camp. And we took a group, um, down there. I think Kyle was on his honeymoon that year. Is that right? Yeah. So Kyle was on his honeymoon. So I went as the, like the male lead and, uh, it was in adoration, um, Mm. there again that the Lord was like, Hey, like I told you to tell the world about me. Uh, maybe you should do that more than just on Sunday nights and Wednesday nights. Um, and so like an invitation to like step into ministry as, as something more than just, um, kind of a volunteer. And so I remember unpacking that with one of my buddies, Sam, who was, uh, the summer missionary. He was serving on missions at the camp and he was with our group and I knew him. He was from here. And so he was there for the summer. Um, remember starting to like unpack that at that time. Now I was dating my now wife and we were having the conversations about engagement. And so I knew that like, okay, like if this is what the Lord's calling me to, like, this is a big shift and I need to bring her into this. I also brought Kyle into this and I remember calling him and he was like, all right. Cause like straight from his honeymoon, he went to a a convention and he was like, you can get here. I'll take care of everything else, which I remember being like, yes, like I can go to a place and kind of talk with other youth ministers, get a perspective, get an idea. And praise be to God for my wife, Erin, um, of being a voice of wisdom in that moment of like, that's the worst place to discern because <laughs> it was such a bit, it was, was a bad not a idea. Good, not a good friend. Yeah, I just bad. wanted somebody to go with me. <laughs> because I remember then talking to Aaron, I was like, Hey, this is what the Lord's doing. This is what I think yeah. he's, he's inviting me to. And he's asking me and she's like, you're going to go around a bunch of people that love what they do, love Jesus. Like how can you walk out of that with any freedom to not say just yes. Right. Like there's no freedom in that. And it's such a blessing for that. But, um, it wasn't then until 2019 that then the Lord kind of opened the doors. And so, Mm. I mean, this is, I was in my car accident in 2000, the first, um, encounter with the Lord in adoration would have been 2013. The Cove Crest trip would have been 2015 and then 2019. Um, 
Allie, who was the youth minister that kind of followed behind Kyle. And so I had served and, and been on core team and done ministry with her. Um, she, she took the position at, at St. Michael's and invited me. Um, and here you are. Yeah. And yeah, it was Come on. Uh, a while. She's like, Hey, I know the Lord's put this on your heart because Sam, who is the summer missionary is her husband. And so like, she knew all, all about it. And I was like, this is kind of insider information. Unfair. <laughs> insider trading for sure. Um, but yeah, it was one of those things that like, it wasn't direct. It wasn't what I had in, yeah. in line, but it's been awesome how the Lord has just continued to invite me and, and transform my life in little ways to prepare me to take the next step in a lot of different ways, yeah. not just ministry wise, but being a dad, being a husband, right. being a son, being a friend, um, through just so many awesome opportunities to encounter him and receive yeah. him. Amen. Yeah. Kyle, tell me about your story. Mine's falling in love with Christ. Very short. Okay. Well, it's very long, but I'm gonna make it very short. Okay. I was in my twenties, early twenties and I grew up Catholic. Hadn't, um, yeah, nothing crazy, kind of similar to Nick. Can't tell you anything about any sacrament I received growing up. And we went to church every Sunday. And then when I was in college, I don't think I ever went to church. It's a very typical. Sure. Right. Like young adult person. Never, I don't think I thought about faith in college, but I couldn't afford rent one month. And so I called my dad and was like, hey, dad, I can't afford rent. This is the story I tell. He tells a different story, just to be clear. <laughs> so I, t- I called down. I was like, hey, I can't afford rent. Can you pay? And he said, yeah, I'll pay your rent, but you have to drive into town and go to church with me. And I was like, all right, I can. Small price. Yeah, I can suffer for an hour. Right. That was my mentality. Uh, so just offer it up. Yeah. That meant nothing to me at that time. <laughs> anyway, so I went to church um, over at Holy Trinity in Lenexa with my dad. My dad really loves going to church there. Um, and so we went to the 5 p.m. mass. And at that time, that was like the youth mass. So they had like music, like guitars or whatever. And right when we walked in, I think he might be your boss. I don't really know the correlation anymore. But right when we walked in, my dad and this guy named Deacon Dana Niermeyer were like, Deacon was standing at the front door waiting for my dad. This is the way I perceive it, just mm. to be clear. Again, I He's don't know. He's waiting for you. Yeah, yeah, I don't know how truth this is, but this is the way was I Was he perceive. Deacon yet? He was not Deacon. Okay. He was just Dana. And I had never met him before. And if you know Deacon Dana, and he, if you don't, he's the weirdest, craziest, most rambunctious man I've ever One met in my, my life. One of my favorite people on Yes, Earth, he's honestly. an amazing dude. But when you first meet him and you don't want to be at church, he's a bit much. <laughs> <laughs> And so when you're I, there just to collect a rent check. Yeah, when you're there for money and nothing else. So anyway, I, I go to church with my dad and Deacon's there and Dana does this whole, hey, my name's Dana and I run this church camp for little kids. You should come work with me. And so for somehow I got signed up. I still claim my dad filled out the application for me. But somehow I signed up or like applied to work at um, Camp, camp Tecowitha out at Prairie Star Ranch, which is a in our diocese we have like, I don't know, church yeah, it's camp. Yeah, our youth camp. Yeah, our youth camp. Yeah. There we go. And so somehow they, for some reason, they they took me to work there. I think they had lower standards back then. Um, and so I worked there for a little bit over the summer. And I had not gone to church in a really long time, had definitely not been to confession since I was confirmed, whenever that was. Sure. And the whole summer, I just avoided, like I went to church and, you know, they have confession like all the time down there. Yeah. And I just avoided it the whole time. Never went to adoration. Always had something to do, quote unquote. Yeah. 
and this this person, Trisha is her name. She's a rock star for human that completely changed my life. Every, Hutchinson? Yeah. Big yeah. shout out. Big yeah. shout out to T. Hutch. Anyway, so Hutch, every single time there was confession, she'd like come and nudge my arm and be like, hey, do you want to go to confession? And I'd say, no, thank you, you know, next time or whatever. And she did that all summer. And then it's the last week I had to leave early because for something, I don't know what. But it was my last week there and she knew it. And so it's the last confession I had the opportunity to go to. And there was a whole bunch of fifth grade boys that I was in charge of. And, you know, all the little kids go and then staff is allowed to go. Mm. And Hutch came up and was like, hey, you want to go to confession? I was like, no, no, it's all right. And she didn't respond in any other way besides grabbing my arm. You know, like that mom grab of an arm? That's what Hutch did. You can't escape kind of thing. Yeah. 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 And you're going to do whatever she says. Mm -hmm. So she picked me up basically and carried me to this line. So there's this like line of fifth graders and then there's me Mm -hmm. and a line of fifth graders waiting in line for confession. And I just remember dreading it. Anyway, so I ended up going to confession with this, this old priest that I don't know his name, anything. And I feel bad for him because I got there and I sat in this chair in front of this priest and just unloaded every years and mm. years of just being not a great human and walked away. And yeah, just walked away realizing the importance of sacrament. And mm. like that moment on has like solidified my walk with Christ and relationship with Christ. It's been a really, yeah. You were brought back into the fold through confession. Yeah, it's been, and it's been like, you know, took years to yeah, actually yeah, unpack it all and do things. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I didn't change my life completely, but right. I, I recognize the the hole that could only be filled with the Eucharist. And Would the you sacrament. call that like one of, if not your Emmaus moment? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, for sure. Like that, that, uh, I think it's in the reading we did today, but that moment of like, I don't ever like the set out immediately part in this no, I story. Love this. I hate mm-hmm. it I love because it it's not my. Not I've fan. never experienced it. Hmm. You know what yeah. I mean? Like the unveiling of Christ to me in that moment of confession. Right. It didn't. You said the same thing, right? Like you recognized it. it didn't you? Didn't there was no immediately in my life. To sure. that there was an immediate awakening, right? There was yeah. something no missing, but it wasn't like a go out and do. Right. I'd probably be pretty freaked out if Jesus literally like evaporated in front of me. So there's that. There's that. But I feel what you're saying. Yeah. I hear that. I hear that for sure. Yeah. What, um, yeah, like you said, the, the God-sized hole in your heart that could only be filled by the Eucharist. Like what, I don't know. Like is there anything in particular? Like, okay, where I'm, where I'm going with this, I would love to know <laughs> your counsel. What's your counsel for it? I mean, what advice would you give to anybody out there who's on the fence with respect to the Holy Eucharist? Because you've had a profound encounter with the Lord in the Eucharist, and you, you, you came to terms with like that hole in your heart, right? You said it can only be filled by the Eucharist, and obviously you have too in adoration the big moment of just realizing like who God, like who Jesus was, not just who he was, but who he is to me. Um, but yeah, what advice would you give to anybody out there who might be on the fence with this whole Eucharist thing? Mine is easy. The times I've encountered Christ and it's like significantly done something is when I'm it at when I'm most vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Like I don't think you can encounter Christ in the Eucharist with us any bit of pride in your heart. Mm. I and I think a lot of us go into. I mean, I know Sunday for me at Mass, yeah. I was like, why am I here? Like it was one of those masses, right? We all have sure. these moments yeah. of like, well, why am I here? Sure. So I think vulnerability 
like just complete and honest vulnerability. I did mm. not want to be in confession. I did not want to talk to that old dude. He smelled really bad. And then bless because his, bless his heart, bless his heart, bless his heart. But I, yeah, Pri- if you're a priest listening to this, we yeah. love you. We, we do we love, love you, you so but also much. Take a mint. Yeah. <laughs> Ministry mints. Okay. Look it up. It's, in our, it's in our just in case box. We always have mints. Yep. Those big, the green bit giant bag yeah. from Sam's. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I like my, when you first asked that question before Kyle answered, um, because my answer was so good. It was it's a really good answer. Yeah. Immaculate. Yeah. Immaculate. Um, it was, for me, it, it always comes back to, and this was one of those things that I'd, I'm sure we were told about these things through formation and through different times, but like our Lord is so, he practices perfect humility in coming to us in the form of the Eucharist, Right. And so like, be, because of that, but like in that humility, he also doesn't shy away from that reality at all. And so for me, like a big part of it, and I, I love studying these are like the Eucharist, Eucharistic mm-hmm. miracles. Mm-hmm. And it's, yeah, it's those things where it's like, look, the world will try in every way possible to like discredit this. And science is, is this big pillar that gets put up a lot and kind of in a, in an opposition of the church. Mm-hmm. And the Lord, in like in such a humble way of like, look, bring all of your science to me, and I'm going to show you who I am. Yep. Um, and not only does He show us who He is, that it's like it's Him. Um, he's alive. It comes straight from His heart. It's beating for you. It bleeds for you. Um, that it, yeah, like it's it's those revelations and those moments that the Lord has has brought Himself in those extraordinary ways that then transforms the way to how to approach him and to receive him in the Eucharist and recognize who is there in the Eucharist. There's still the element of like, you can see all the scientific data about those miracles and still go, nah, yep. Yep. right? Like if you're not looking for the miracle, right? If the, uh, there's a whole paragraph that we read about Thanksgiving. Yep. Like yeah. that's, if you're not looking with a thankful heart, you're not going to see the Eucharist for what it is. If there's no room left for faith, like if God didn't leave any room for faith, mm-hmm. then there, mm. there's no there's no room for it's us. Not, yeah, it's like we have to we have to to an extent like everything's a gift. God's the first mover in all things. Yes, but we have to be willing to at least look beyond. We have to be willing to like look across that bridge before we can even like walk across it. And sometimes it's just one foot in front of the other. Sure. But like, as long as there's room for faith, there's also room for pride. There's mm. also room for fallenness because that's where the supernatural comes in. Like that's where grace comes in for us to do a, do away with our past, to do away with everything that we've known, to do away with the, the normal way that we interpret and respond to like the world around us. We can just like pause that and go beyond and that's that that room for faith, and uh, I love it. That's pretty cool. I like that. Thanks. Like, if I was if I was still giving talks, I'd steal that for do sure. It. Yeah, that's gonna yeah, that's gonna end up in a talk. <laughs> You're <sure>. welcome. <laughs> You're welcome. One of the, that room for faith, like yeah. every whether you believe in Jesus, not like everybody has a a, a moment of faith, like whether it's it's mm. like faith in Christ, yep. but you you are believing in something you don't yeah. understand one way or the other. In, in some in some capacity and sure. I think 
the idea of it of faith i think sometimes especially faith in the eucharist like that we're not we're not supposed to understand that mm-hmm. yep. and i think some so many times at least myself i get in my head about like oh well, i don't get it so therefore it can't be real right like sure like it you have to take that moment like the uh, things that i completely understand are the only things worth believing in yeah yeah yeah, yeah. that's not but like that but like that's just yeah. like we all have that moment like yeah well i think that goes back to like you even just 100 100% fit there's nothing that we can 100% grasp even yeah. 2 plus 2 like theoretical math yep can prove that two plus two doesn't equal four. Yeah. Like you can get into some crazy, right. like the depth that's there means that there, there is a limit to being a hundred percent. Yeah. Right. And if we waited for a hundred percent in anything, we would make no move. Yep. Sure. Yep. So there, everything that we do, like our kids have faith that we're going to catch them when they fall. Right. Right. Like they don't hundred percent know that, but they, and yeah. it goes back to, like our Lord's and in, he v- invites us into a relationship with him. Mm-hmm. And so like that, re- he's going to be there. Right. But like th- those first steps, like he's, he's going to be knocking. Yeah, he's going to yeah. be inviting. He might even grab you by like with the mom grab Mary's grabbing us. Like how many times and just be like, let's go. Mm-hmm. Right. And they're going to get you a point and they're like, no, it's take, up to you. You got to take that first. Yeah. Step. Yeah. It's up. Yeah. No, I think Kyle, what you were getting at was like, I, the only thing that I can claim for myself is my fallenness. Yeah. Like, I can only claim my sin. I can only claim <laughs> like bad decisions. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. cause the Lord doesn't have a hand in that. He's not going to like make me do something dumb or stupid or wrong. Like that's yeah. just not how God works. But in that same regard, it's like any doubt, any doubt, it's normal to doubt. Doubt is a normal thing. Uh, any level of doubt, it, it really just stems from my my fallenness, mm-hmm. right? It stems from my concupiscence, my tendency, my inclination to choose not the good thing, like all the good things that come from God, but to choose something lesser, like a lesser good, like a, ooh, my personal comfort maybe, mm-hmm. or whatever. So yeah, I think that's, I don't know, I don't want to speak for you, but I think that would be probably how I would maybe differentiate it. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm believing as much as I can right now, God. Mm-hmm. Like I'm at mass sometimes and I'm like, God, I'm giving you everything I got. I'm giving you everything I got right now. I pray that you just take care of the rest. What's kind the, of deal? Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Mm. Yeah, the somebody un- says that. That's yeah. not me. But yeah. I say it every time I walk up for communion. Yeah. Like every single time, that's my prayer. Yeah. Because yep, I even if it's the try to believe. Um, yeah. Yeah. The trying is just as powerful yeah. as the full. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, Jesus. He there. He comes down the mountain. Which time is he coming down off the off the mountain? So transfiguration. Okay. He's yeah. coming down the hill yeah. with the boys, Mount Tabor, yep. and they're all like stupefied, and it, all the disciples are just at each other's throats because oh, they're yeah, trying yeah, to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you didn't. You, you didn't. <laughs> this is my turn. No, you didn't. Uh, I don't go. You know, like he's like cast out demons boys. in my name. Yeah, guys. Boys. He's like, what's going on here? Yeah. And this this dad, who's just like his son, is like frothing in the mouth, throwing himself into water to like yeah. demons got control of him, throw him into water, try and drown him, throwing him into fires. Like something's going on. And this dad's like, if you can do anything, if you can do anything, like heal my son, if you can, if you will, like, what yeah, are you yeah. talking about? He's like, I believe Lord help my unbelief. I believe, I believe Jesus that you can do this. Help my unbelief. Like that's totally yeah. okay mm-hmm. to yep. say like Jesus says, you know, like that's not the prime best, you know, 
ideal bar kind of statement, but he's like, I'm going to work with that level of faith. Like that's probably the lowest level of faith that we see in the gospels. If I can make that statement, I don't know if I can, mm. but it's not, it's not up there with like, Lord, I'm not worthy that you come mm. under my roof. Mm. Like that centurion, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. He's going to work with both. So the original question was yeah. for people who are like on the fence about the Eucharist. Yeah. Just like what advice would you give to anybody out there who's on the fence? With but the isn't Eucharist? that both of the, both those quotes, right? Like I, I believe Plain Lord. Flitzy. Yeah. I believe Lord help my unbelief and Lord, I'm not worthy. Like those are both moments of like, if you can pray those with a genuine humble heart, yep, you're going to be fine. You're good. You're, yeah, yeah. Like, and I, one of my favorite lines and you can put it on my tombstone is the best prayer that you can pray is the most honest one. Mm-hmm. Yep. Like honesty. Just like honesty, he wants you as you are, but he loves us so much that he doesn't leave us as we are. Yeah, it's so good. It's it's such a, this weird paradox of like, what? That doesn't make human sense to my human brain, yep. but it's true. Yep. So let's talk about this document. We're going to transition to the second part of our conversation today about this here little document that Pope Saint John Paul II wrote in 2004, I think it was October, but he was doing this thing called the Eucharistic Year. He wanted you to do a a Eucharistic year. He wanted a year for the church to focus on the Holy Eucharist. And we're kind of doing something similar right now. We're, we're in this thing called this this Eucharistic revival. Revival is a cool word. It's not renewal. Like I want to just like polish something's face. It's like revival means like I literally want to breathe life mm-hmm. into something that is not living. Kind of, I just love that word. So yeah. Bringing something to life. Anyway, so he wrote this document called Mane Nobiscum Domine. This is his letter to the church explaining, hey, this is why we're going to do this. We're going to unpack this Eucharist thing. We're going to have a year focused on it. And it's super applicable for us because he wrote this not just to the bishops, but he wrote this to the bride. He wrote this to all the faithful. So we're going to take a look at paragraphs 24 through 28 today. Gentlemen, what are some of your greatest hits? I, I mean, I already mentioned my first one. I really struggle with the idea of set out immediately. Yeah. Really, I really, I've always struggled with that idea. And like, I taught it, right? Like, that's half of yeah. what I did in sure. ministry was like, oh, Jesus. What are you Christ? waiting for? Go yeah, now. Yeah, go do stuff. Yeah. The set out immediately, like, number one, what does set out look for you? Yeah. I think that's so, so different for every person in every, like, depending on the situation mm-hmm. they're in. Um, but then also, like, it takes time for that to, like, come to fruition, I yeah. think, for what everybody goes through. Do you struggle with it in the context of looking back and, and like, validating what setting out means? When I was teaching this stuff in ministry, it was like, yeah, like I had a very specific. This is what this. This is like. what it's supposed to do, and now mm-hmm. I'm like, man, I there's not if I can talk about church that I go to church at my work, that's a huge win for me. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, mm-hmm. it's just so much different, and it doesn't remove the fact that I, like, that doesn't discredit the fact that I'm like trying to be going and setting mm-hmm. out. But anyway, yeah, that was that was I like that first paragraph. Yeah. You know, you know the game uh, Agario. You familiar with this? It's like this: like you start out as a little blob, you eat all these little other blobs, and then like you be, you eat each other, and you just like kind of the bigger blobs eat the smaller ones, and whatever, and you become giant. Point is, it's a free game online, and that's why we're here to talk about free games online. But the point being that <laughs> sponsored by spot, yes. <laughs> no comment. Um, but it's like the the disciples they they split off, they they broke off. They, they got shot back out through their fear and their sadness, right? In this, he's dead, he's dead, he's dead. Mm-hmm. He's gone, he's dead, he's dead, he's dead, it's gone, this is over. Crap. I just wasted how much time yeah. 
of my life following this guy around. And yet the first thing when they realize that he's actually not is they want to go and rejoin. Yeah. Join up. They want to join back up with Mm. the boys, with everybody in the upper room. And I just love as soon as they get there, like he zooms through the wall. Yeah. 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 (laughs) I just think that's so funny, but I totally feel what you're saying. That actually puts a different spin on that set out immediately. It's the, it's the, they set out immediately to rejoin their community. Yeah. Right. Like it's not, they're setting out to like go do mission. They're actually in set out to go be filled back up and be in community to go on mission. Whereas every time I've read that it's, they're supposed to, you're supposed to go on mission. Hmm. Yeah, they're going back. They're going back to their yeah, community, to the people base. that love them, that they right. can they can learn from, they can be surrounded by and love. Interesting. Yeah. They're family. They're brothers. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I love when the Pope, when St. John Paul II, he goes back and he when he when a saint, he wasn't a saint at this point, but when a saint is referring to another saint, mm-hmm. Yeah, I read that as kind of like when Jesus is like, "Amen, Amen." Like, hey, mm. listen up here, right? Like, <laughs> this is gonna ready. be this is gonna be really this is good. really ready. good. <clears throat> but it kind of goes back, Kyle, to what you were saying. It's when he quotes Saint Paul and he says, "As often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until He comes." Mm-hmm. We don't have to like do anything extravagant. That act of faith and that response to that relationship proclaims that truth. Yeah. And it doesn't have to look in a certain way. It looks probably very similar Sunday to Sunday, uh, weekly, uh, weekday mass. But that truth of that relationship and that exchange is that proclamation. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Mm. Everyone's got a different why, right? You, even the secular world, they've got the, you know, they've got their reasons for why they do stuff. You know, why are you nice to people? But I think Christians, like we do what we do or we ought to like that's the call right so we ought to uh, just love people for their own sake mm-hmm. and because they are worthy of love in the same way that i'm worthy of love regardless of how fallen and messed up they are you know like i want to love them and be nice and kind and, and good to those around me because it's just i'm drawn to live the same life of christ because i've been loved right? because i first john four sixteen four. yeah it's not a matter of who the other person is what what they've done or what I've done, yeah. it's because I have been loved. I can therefore love. Yep. Yeah. Any other closing thoughts for you on the? No, I got. Document? Yeah, I'm sorry. This has been really fun. This doc is really, really good. I, I'm very gonna read it again. It's very cool. good. Highly encourage it for all y'all out there listening. It's very, uh, confli- uh, not conflicting, convicting, convicting, convicting. Nailed it with the victory, baby. Yep. Yep. Yeah, Nick. Any other takeaways for you? Oh, I mean, we were just scratch the surface with paragraph one or the first yeah. paragraph there. So paragraph 25, this is one that I want to print out and reflect on for a long time. Sure. But just that for the Eucharist not only provides the interior strength needed for this mission, but it is also in some sense it's plan. Right. And like, just, I, I don't know. I've probably read that sentence alone 20 times. I was just trying to unpack. It's the interior strength while also being, it's playing, and he, well, yeah, like obviously, but the depth of that and the mystery that's within that mm-hmm. and the nuance that's within that hmm. is a lot Yeah, to unpack. Yeah, it's a mode of being. Like the Eucharist, I mean, what did Jesus come to do? Transform us, to be like him. <sighs> we're transformers. Yeah. That's what we're, what we're getting at. 
Um, oh no. <laughs> no, but yeah, you're right though. It's like Jesus came to get heaven inside of us. He, yeah. he came to get us to heaven one day, yes, but to get heaven inside of us, yes and amen. And just this, how does he do that? It's through the Eucharist. Yeah. It's through the Eucharist. So in that regard, Jesus literally physically dwelling within us, like literally flowing through our bloodstream. I cannot get over this. Like he's literally in every every element of who we are. I, I just love this this one this fact about moms. Like um, moms with babies, it's like your children's DNA runs through your bloodstream yep. for the rest of your life. Like each one of your children's DNA is in your bloodstream forever. And it's like in the same way that you're able to actually physically do that with our children here, like on earth, Jesus in the same way, like if we receive him into ourselves, um, then we also are able to um, to let him transform us from the inside out. Yeah, that's, I just love that. That's the plan, right? That's yeah. the plan. It's not, it's not this distant, oh, God saved me from fire and great. Now I don't have to be terrified anymore or whatever. It's this intimate, loving, indwelling relationship of love. I don't know. It's just it's so different. There, for a long time, my view of Jesus and the church was like through the lens of almost like a mechanic or a tinkerer Yeah. of like, Hey, I'm going to come in, I'm going to open you up. I'm going to mm. move some things around. I'm going to like get things, stitch you up and then send you out. Like, and that is so far from the truth of, of <sighs> who he is and the way that he works. Like, and I actually, um, wow. the end of all my emails are in Christ with Christ through Christ mm. because he, he's all of that. Like through he, him with him and in him. Yeah. And he physically can't be that tinkerer, yeah. right? Like that reality, it's, it's impossible. He, he didn't want, well, he could have. He could have, but, but that's not reality, right? right? Like right, that's right. not reality. Um, and so when we're able to like rest, receive and yeah. process that, like that's just grace, right? Like that's grace <sighs> to understand of, of how loving he is and how intimate he wants to be with you and I mm. that he's not going to ask you anything that he's one already not done mm. or two, isn't going to be with you in you and through you yeah. in yeah, uh, in, in nothing. And so even like setting out immediately that next morning, waking up and just recognizing and offering that, mm. that moment, right? Yeah. Like that's a set out immediately moment. Right. Uh, <clears throat> and that comes from him, but he knows that like, it's, it's not in for his own praise and his own glory. He knows that that's what we need. Yeah. Gosh, he's awesome. Yeah. And the, the fart, I said fart, the part <laughs> that strikes me, maybe, I don't know, there's two parts of that passage in Luke 24, the, the road to Emmaus story when Jesus, he, he comes alongside them. Yep. And I always, I love meditating on this because it's so, I don't know. I, I imagined like, I imagined for a long time that Jesus was like, like he kind of just, oh, like walked up from behind them. Like a, Hey. Yeah. It kind of was just like, like walking with them behind them, like eavesdropping kind of deal. But I also love this idea that Jesus was already on the road and the disciples came up behind him and he was just listening he, was, he, I mean, he went before us, right? Mm-hmm. He, he went before us in all things. So he's, you know, maybe just in front of them and he kind of slows down 
to begin conversation with them. Like, what is it? What is this conversation that you're having with your, yeah. what are you discussing with one another on the way? And, um, I don't know. That really strikes me of like, did he come up from the side? How, how did they physically come into Hmm. within one another's like perimeter on the road to this, to this town that was West of Jerusalem and they were going into the night. They're going toward the setting sun, not toward the rising sun in the East. They were walking into darkness, literally walking into darkness. And what do they do? The the day is now far spent. Lord, like come and dine Hmm. with us. So he stayed with them, broke the bread, poof. And they freak out and they go immediately they go immediately. When's the last time you went out in pitch black? Granted, granted, the sun or the moon was like pretty full because it was a full moon on Passover. Yep. Passover has always got a full yep. moon. And the sun was out. They could see relatively well, but I don't know what the roads are like from like the west. I don't think there are Johnson County sidewalks. Probably not. You think so? No. Yeah. They're on their way back in the middle of you know, maybe not the exact middle of the night, but who knows? There's no time distinction as to when they actually had this meal, got set up, broke the bread. We don't know exactly when, but it was evening. The sun was set. It was dark. And they went with haste into the east, toward the east, toward the rising sun. They get there, poof, so on and so forth. But just the immediately factor, it happened. I don't even know if they had like lanterns back then. Probably not. I'm pretty sure that they had the technology to burn like fats and oils sure i don't know what they the, had, i mean the portable they had, version of that was back then i don't know yeah i mean a i don't know how poor yeah probably i don't know probably i mean they had i'm just thinking like 1700s you know your little oil lantern kind of thing well, you're about 1700s you know what i'm saying years too modern minor details i don't know <laughs> i don't know what this would have been like but i love could have been scary I, it had to have been scary beasts and stuff I well even i mean just like it's they're 12 hours, eight hours, whatever removed sure. from literally like running for their lives. Yeah. Right. Mm. Cause they're like the guy that was leading, like that was the whole reason that they were yeah. headed West. Right. Like yeah. was f- out of fear Getting out of dogs, and yeah. right. And the Lord encounters them and then they turn around and they go right back yeah. into the place that they were literally 12 hours ago, the most afraid of. Right. And that boldness and that confidence that the Lord instills into them. But then again, like he poofs, but yeah, he's in them in that back. He's like, let's go. Like yeah. we're going back. Right. And I mean, yeah, gosh, yeah. the Lord, he, the way that he transforms people. Yeah. And it's, it's so often times the people that are unqualified or uneducated, have no status definitely that it it makes it undeniable right yeah. like he he raises these people into being able to do things that don't make human sense i looked this up because i i wasn't sure i wanted to really know for fact whether or not this actually happened or not because like i was i was questioning okay oh it was because of the eucharist like this was a jesus celebrated the eucharist again with these disciples mm-hmm. like that's what this the breaking of the bread and i was like wait was it actually like the Eucharist? But I looked it up. The church is like, yes, this was a Eucharist that the Lord celebrated. This this dinner, mm-hmm. this this feast. It wasn't a feast. It was just a meal, common meal. Maybe they were maybe they weren't even all the way where they were trying to go. But it was an Emmaus that they stopped because that was where the inn was. Maybe mm. maybe that's why people don't really know for fact where Emmaus is. Yep. Is because it was just a small podunk little highway stop kind of place. Yep. This was actually a Eucharistic moment. It wasn't Jesus like 
reenacting anything. This nope. wasn't just a play. It wasn't trying to be symbolic, but he literally, it was in the breaking of the bread. It was because of the Eucharist. He made himself known to them in the Holy Eucharist that they had such a profound moment of encounter. It was the Eucharist. And you know, they didn't, they were, they had to have received the Eucharist before they're like, okay, we're going to, we're going to march. How? Yeah. Run oh, back yeah. to Jerusalem with what? No, we need to take some of this with us. Yeah. Hungry, hungry hippos out there. You know, you, you gotta yeah. fuel up. Yeah. And he, well, just thinking about the, the parallels of, of being the new manna, right. Mm-hmm. Of setting out across the desert again, come on and going back to the Jerusalem and, yeah. and back to be with their, their boys, yeah. be with their community. New, um, new manna moments. I want to, so kind of the next line that I want to kind of jump off of is the culture of Eucharist promotes a culture of dialogue. Um, I think that jumped out in such profound ways with what's going on in the world today. Yeah. Um, especially in the place that may has happened and in Jerusalem and, and everything that's going on. Um, we're recording this right after, um, stuff kind of set off in the Gaza Strip and, and Israel. And, um, it, it comes down to a breakdown of dialogue mm-hmm. and like, I don't, that's not limited to the conflict in Palestine and in Israel, but the, I think the culture that we have in the world today is generally almost no dialogue. Mm. It, it's, it's silos of echo chambers and yeah. shouting over one another. And when you really start to process, you understand like a, a culture that is able to dialogue is a culture that has respect and love for one another to listen mm. and to respond which I think requires a level of humility that our world doesn't want to even entertain. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd love to hear your kind of viewpoint of like that, that line of a culture of a Eucharist promotes a culture of dialogue. Well, yeah, I just think about how the, the Holy Spirit is the unifier. Like he's the one who, who brings together. He, he is the, the, the love that sprang forth from the, the love between the father and the son. Yep. Like, he is the unifier. Uh, he's the sanctifier. He's the, I could go on and on, but just the, okay, what is it to be uh, like Jesus? He brought, he came to bring, it's funny. Cause like he, it's not like he, he does not contradict himself. He says multiple things. Nope. He says, I came to bring the sword. And I to came, divide. And I came to separate. Yeah. yeah. yeah to, to, to pit mothers against daughters, yeah. mother-in-laws against daughter-in-laws. Like, you know, fathers against sons. I came, yep. yeah, to to cast a division, and I came to cast a fire. Uh, he came to do a lot. Yeah, you know, I didn't come to judge. My word judges in and of yep. itself. It's like, um, Holy Spirit, fruits of the Holy Spirit, love, joy, peace, peace, being that third. Um, yeah, just the what is it? What is it to be peace? Peace is this understanding of one another, this understanding of what is kind of this understanding of reality. I think peace and humility are so integrate, uh, so just intimately like tied up because to be humble is to be close to the ground, to be close to the earth, which is what, where the word humble and humility comes from. It comes like from the earth, close to the mm-hmm. dirt. And yeah, to be at peace with one another means to be um, at rest with, with one another. And where, where do we find our rest if not in Christ? Where do we find our rest if not uh, in the Holy Spirit? Um, so when I when I see Saint John Paul II saying, um, you know, to 
the the Eucharist having to do with this this culture of dialogue. Dialogue, I mean, peace isn't going to happen unless we talk with one another. Yep. And the point of dialogue, dialogue means just that Greek word of dia meaning two, and then logos meaning words. So like this dialogue, this two-wordedness, this conversation, this conversing back and forth. Um, yeah, I mean, it's... <laughs> Jesus, he, he had a dialogue with us, you know, he, he dialogued with us. He dialogues with us every, every time that we give him the chance to. And what is the fruit of that dialogue is it's peace. And, um, it could be discord at first. Sure. And I'm not saying peace is like always the the first and final result of dialoguing with one another, but dialogue is, is different than just like conversing. It's dialogue is like, we're, we're trying to get somewhere together and to understand one another better and deeper. I'm not trying to convince you of anything necessarily right now. It's like, I want to understand you more because we can only love that which we understand. Yeah. And the more that we understand one another, the more that I'm going to be able to truly love you as I ought to. I don't know. That's, that's my two cents. Yeah. I, there's, there's a lot there. And I love the way you break down etymology. You're such a word nerd. I like my words. And like when you were talking about the root of dialogue of two and, and word, like how, like is we don't even, how often do we not give one another like the space to even enter in, like give their two cents. Yeah. Right. Like, That's Hey, good point. how often we don't even, we're so we curate how we receive dialogue into a space that like, I don't think that it's authentic dialogue. Mm into the way that we enter into conversations, we enter into yeah. like we receive and process information, um, that it is like it, none of it is really structured in a way that is authentic dialogue. Yeah. It's what's the information, give it to me in bullet points so that I can understand and I can process it how I need to process it and then move on. Yeah. Let's Rather, get this over with. Yeah, of. like how f- like we're just so busy that like I need all of the information in as efficient a way as possible, which then leaves out any level of like nuance mm-hmm. or depth or understand, like trying to understand. Yeah. Rather than to just get the information, um, which is just really sad that our world, that we've gotten to this point. Mm-hmm. Um, but how there's also just the redemptive reality like the lord's working within yeah this right right like for sure i find myself oftentimes being like man the world's just so broken it's so messed up da, da, da. but then like the more that i go back and i study scripture and I, I love history and i go back and I'm like the world's always been a mess like yeah <laughs> and just like different things in different ways but it, also in a lot of the same ways and yeah and same areas and to, to have that confidence that the Lord is still in us and is still with us yeah. and is still working through all of this is, it's also one of those things that for me has um, been a place of just like fortitude in my faith is like, especially working in ministry mm. um, and, and seeing um, like that quote unquote side of the church, um, seeing man, like his church is filled with a lot of broken people. And I'm one of those broken people mm-hmm. and it's still around 2000 years later. Like how yeah. can it not be him? 
Amen. How can it not be guided by the Holy Spirit? How can it not be divinely guided and taken care of and woven through all of it? Because if the church is made up of millions of people of like me and it's still here and it's still healing and it's still powerful and, and Jesus is still present and like, how can it not be hmm. the church that he started? Yeah. That the church that these two men in Emmaus went back to. Yeah. Right. And it gets to, for me, this whole cycle of like, how do we become communities and spaces that are like this for yeah. these? Um, I think how, it, sorry to cut you off. I just think that it really like something that the world misses is this concept of like what real vulnerability is. And like to, to truly dialogue and to truly have a conversation with one, you know, with one another and to not just talk about a topic, but to, again, just to try and understand one another, it takes realness. Like mm-hmm. it takes a certain level of realness that I'm willing to, I'm willing to open up in such a way that I could actually be wounded and I'm showing you my woundedness. I'm showing you how that this whole Christianity thing, this whole Catholicism thing actually doesn't make sense outside of woundedness. Like, like that, that's what Jesus did. Like he did nothing but allow himself to be stepped on, Mm. like, you know, maltreated, like everything. And it's, it's the same thing with us is that we love our filters. We love our divisions because we're comfortable with boxes. We love our walls and I love, I don't love this, but it's so petty of the enemy because he pits us against one another. He mm-hmm. is the divider. He is the divider. And if he's the divider, then the Lord's the unifier, right? So I, I don't know, just this, he wants us to pit us against one another. He wants us to not trust one another. Like that was the first element in the garden was getting Eve to not mm-hmm. trust God, like her getting to doubt by just not trusting God's word. This is why in the home, it's like so essential. Like I, my kids like, Hey, we can't be friends if you won't listen. Like <laughs> I, I want to be your friend. Like I love you. And, I, and the only way that this is going to work is if we listen to one another. And I, I told him this it's, it's both ways though. It's not yep. just you listen, listen to me. Yeah. This isn't like military boot camp or whatever, but the, yeah, the Lord, he's the unifier. He brings us together. And if we're really, if we really want to get somewhere, we have to lay our, our, our filters down. Yep. We have to lay our, our dividing factors down, like our parties. We have to lay down our interests. We have to lay, not necessarily interests, but you know what I mean? Like the things that we can use as weapons, as clubs to yep. bludgeon one another that you're different than me. Dang it. You're different than me. And we're never going to, you know, just like we have to put that down. If we really want to get somewhere to put it down and just love one another with God's heart. Yeah. How do you, how do we create those spaces? Mm. Um, like more consistently in like a practical sense. Yeah. You know, there's those people in your life that you just find yourself like, I can talk to you. Yeah. You know, I, I can, I'm thinking of, you know, a lot of people right off the top of my head here, but just those people who are really great listeners because you know, you don't, they don't bring judgment at all. It's just, I'm going to receive you as you are right now. Perfectly. Like, I'm just going to totally hear what you're saying. And they echo stuff back to you. You're like, wow. You know, they don't even, they don't even say anything in the whole conversation and they just receive you. And you're like, wow, you, you're really great to talk to, you know, like, and they didn't say a single word. It's like 
those kind of people, I don't know the people, um, I feel like there's a charism for that. Like there's yeah. just a certain giftedness on certain people's lives to, to, to just receive people. And, uh, it's just a real beautiful gift to see. I, those are the peacemakers of the world, right? Mm. And blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called children of God. There was the, um, it's the impulse, which the, so this is in paragraph 28. It is the impulse, which the Eucharist gives to the community for a practical commitment to building a more just and fraternal society. Mm. I think um, I fall into this a lot of kind of summarizing what I do and saying, well, that's good enough. Mm. And saying, well, I, I, I do this and I, I pray a lot and I intercede and especially working in ministry of like, okay, my work, da, 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 da. <clears throat> and I try to be the best husband and the best dad that I can, that I don't know how well and how consistently well I do at the practical commitment to building a more just and fraternal society outside of like this, the easy, convenient ways that I do those things. Mm. Right. And like, it's not saying I'm not trying to discredit at all, like the priority mm -hmm. that, that I have of the most direct and most impactful way that I can, and most honestly, the most practical way of building a, just, a more just and fraternal society is how I love my wife and I raise my boys, right? Like that's gonna be the longest impact, the deepest impact that I can have. Yeah. But it's, but so often I stop there and um, there's kind of this kind of internal reflection of what, what more is the Lord asking me to do in, in practical ways? Um, do you think he's asking you to do more? I don't know. I, I, I want to say yes, but I also don't know if that's coming from a place of like, well, if I'm doing more than right, mm. then, then I'm doing enough. Mm. Like, I don't know. Right. Like, sure. I, there's a lot of still more prayer and discernment in that. Yeah. I, I do think that there is room for more. I don't, I don't know if it's like a, how much more, like right. what, what that practically looks like. Right. right. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I, I think I've fallen to this and I see this a lot of like the practical commitment, mm. um, to building that. Right. If anything, it's indicative that you have a hungry heart and that you are hungry for righteousness and that you, you thirst for righteousness yep. and you, you thirst to see the will of God done in the world. I think that's one, just like, it's a good thing that you're experiencing. I think there's something to be said too, that we are like unicorns in that people in church work, we we often find ourselves in church work because because we have this type of desire, that it's it's a, it's kind of a positive feedback loop. It's yeah. like, is this enough? Is this enough? Is this enough? And uh, the word of the Lord is just, yes, like what we're doing is good. It's not a question of, is what I'm doing good? It's like, yes, we know that what we're doing is good, um, but is it good enough? And are we being faithful with what we are being given? Mm. If we are being faithful with what we are being given, then there could be, could be, not always, it's not necessary, it doesn't necessitate. If we are faithful in what we are given, then there's a chance that we could be given even more uh, to do something with. Um, but I, you know, on one hand, there's that, and on the other, it's okay. One of the greatest things that the enemy likes to do is to 
to get us interested in so many different things and spread us so thin that we actually don't even move anymore. That mm. we used to be taking feet and miles in this one direction and then our, you know, our purview kind of just widened and widened and widened and widened. And I've experienced this firsthand, yeah. which is why I can preach it because I, every day, this is a, this is a struggle for me. Um, I have to move at least a yard today. Yeah. I need one yard today, at least, at least maybe two. Is this a one or two yard kind of day? Is this a 10 yard kind of day? Whatever. Um, but yeah, he can stop us dead in our tracks by yeah. spreading us too wide, kind of like butter over too little butter over too much toast or spreading the line of an offense you know, mm-hmm. we're talking war terms too long, yep. then the enemy can just just break yep. through. So I don't know. I, I submit that to you, my dear brother. That thank you. I think you you raising disciples in your home, yes, obviously is the best and most, you know, most practical. Yeah, and that's the that's the <clears throat> foremost call in your life yeah. to not just be son, to be husband, um, but to to raise raise disciples, to raise children of God who are uh, on fire for not just the same things that you are, but to on fire to answer the call. In, in their own way, their own giftings and their own spheres of influence. So, but yeah, your disciples at church, man, at, at St. Mike's, I think you are able to do that by shepherding and stewarding that, um, that flock. Well, Yeah, I think it's going to be just a natural fruit of you doing a great job that you're already doing. So I submit that to you. The Lord is good and he's merciful. Amen. Um, manly, this has been awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I'm going to go back and I'm, there's a lot to unpack here for sure. Sure. Um, I'm grateful for the work that you do, the mission that you're, you're on. Um, yeah. And it's, it's been such a blessing to walk with you and work in the vineyard. Um, and yeah, it's been such a pleasure. Amen. Thanks for having us in your home and Kyle, you're the man. Love you. Love you too, brother. Thanks for having us. This is um, really excited to hear about everything that's going on in St. Mike's and uh, your family, your growing family, whichever one you want me to include. I'll, I'll yeah, you can. Yeah, can we that. can. Yeah, it can be like make it public at this yeah. point. Yeah, we'll pray. find out in two weeks if it's a boy or a girl. Nice. Yeah. Well, pray for the the Johnsons. Um, yeah, I mean, everybody out there, I really hope that this this episode has blessed you. It's blessed me just having it right here. I mean. I pray that this conversation has blessed you. I pray that uh, you you respond to the call and share this with anybody who you think might need to hear it. The whole point of this is to to stir hungry hearts and to to light a fire and to to bring revival to the church. So if that's if you've felt that happen within your heart, within your soul, just over the past hour, hour and a half, I pray that you share this with people. Uh, share it on Facebook. Share it on your socials. Share it via email if that's your style. I don't know. But share it with people. Uh, one super, te- uh, one super practical thing that you could do to help us get the word out is to leave a review or a rating on Spotify and Apple. Um, please do that. You're going to help us get the word out a lot more effectively. Um, but yeah, just thanks for tuning in today. Super blessed to have you, and we pray that this continues to be a blessing to you and your family. So, this has been New Mana. We'll see you next week. <laughs>